live from Cape Town. This is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The Welcome to this edition of Questions and Answers uh, Q&A on a Saturday evening between 6 and 7 every Saturday. Inshallah, shukran so much for joining us and staying with us uh, through our CDs um, every Saturday. Alhamdulillah. I'm Khawa Solomon and... Uh, Wow, time is really spin on us because we're looking at dawning in the new month of Ramadan, alhamdulillah, and very excitedly about it as well. So I hope everybody is, is preparing now already, at least about a month ago. With me is answering your questions is uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Mwas, uh, the resident imam at the Yusufiyah Masjid. Assalamu alaikum to you, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister Hawa, and to all the listeners of Voice of the Cape. So we've got lots of questions, lots of uh, backlog, and once again we say and we'll iterate uh, a bit Shukr uh, for your patience awaiting your answers but please do continue sending them uh, for a detailed answer to your question on 47913. Assalamu alaikum. I just want to know my husband, Sheikh, he swears so much even before he makes salah. Um, is his salah valid? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. We know that the Salah has what we call Arkan and Shurut. Um, the Arkan would refer to the integral parts of the Salah, which is actually part of the Salah. And the Shurut would, would obviously refer to the conditions prior to the Salah. Mm. So the conditions, for example, would be like the Hudu, the purity of clothing, finding the Qibla and all of that. Those are all preconditions that needs to be met before a person obviously takes uh, makes Salah. The Arkan, on the other hand, like I said, are integrals that are actually part of the Salah, such as the Niyyah, the Takbiratul Ihram, saying Allahu Akbar at the beginning, the reciting of the Fatiha, standing, Rukur, Sujood, all those uh, positions are all of the integrals which you cannot do without when you make your, your Salah. Mm. Now, of course, when a person fulfills um, all the arkan and all the shurut, then the obligation of him obviously making that salah has fallen away. The obligation has been fulfilled. However, uh, the acceptance of one salah is obviously something else. Okay, Whether Allah is going to accept that salah or not, that's something else. Right? We may be doing all the motions like uh, in a technical way or in a mechanical way, but that does not necessarily mean that the salah has been accepted by Allah. Although the obligation falls away, the acceptance by Allah is a different story. Mm. And that's why we always find that our scholars, uh, they speak about, uh, yes, they do speak about the mechanical side of things, what must be done, what what must not be done, what, what must be refrained from, what are the conditions, what nullifies the salah, what invalidates it, what is makru and disliked, etc. But then we find that they also speak about issues related that although it is not of these arkan and shurut, but there are issues that uh, got to do more with the inward part of your salah, your feeling when you make salah, your emotion, mm-hmm. your sincerity, for example. Now we find that Imam al-Ghazali, he was one of the best people that actually wrote on this very extensively. So he's got a heading in his book, Ihya Ulumuddin, that he calls, Al-Ma'ani Allati Biha Hayatu Salah. What are those meanings that would give your salah life? What are those things that would add life to your salah? Meaning the, the, the inner qualities that you need to have. Mm. And of course, he discusses hudurul qalb, your heart must be present. He discusses haybah. Haybah means to be in awe of the fact that you're standing in front of Allah, etc. The issue of uh, ta'zim, you know, magnifying this great 
ibadah that you are doing and magnifying the one that you are worshiping al haya haya means like to have uh, you know to have modesty to be shy in front of allah are you really worthy of standing in front of him mm. etc beautiful meanings that he speaks about so obviously these meanings are tantamount i mean it's not only the mechanical things that we need to focus on but we also need to focus on these things to give our salah more meaning or life as imam al-ghazali has put it so obviously if a person such as this is going to make salah mechanically do all the mechanics but the person just prior to that swore at his wife or he spoke very ugly or he did not care you know so so my my question would then be what is his frame of mind when he's making salah you know uh, because normally your preparation before salah will dictate how you make the salah in the first place mm. so if that person has for example now swore or he has been very ugly or has been very uh, untoward he's spoken very ugly or untoward to someone how is his frame of mind going to be is he going to have that consciousness of mind and heart is he going to have that humbleness in front of allah is he going to be shy in front of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yes so the if you want a, a technical answer yes the salah the obligation will fall away because he did all the mechanical parts of it mm-hmm. but the acceptance of that salah is questionable because we don't uh, for example we could question whether he actually fulfilled those inward qualities that imam al-ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala speaks about we find that um, and I, I would recommend people actually to get hold of a copy of imam al-ghazali's ihya ulumuddin and actually read up on all these secrets and inner meanings of the salah which is very important um, imam ghazali just to give you an example he says that when you are facing the qibla you know that it is a, obviously a condition that you must face towards the kaaba when you make your salah your salah will not be valid unless you do that but now he asks this question he says while your body is facing towards the kaaba where is your heart facing very valid question is your heart also directed towards allah or is your heart somewhere else hmm. are you thinking of somewhere else so again, um, my question here is if a person was in that very bad frame of mind just prior to the salah and he goes into salah like that, mm. I mean, where is his heart and mind going to be, you know? So this is what the answer is that mechanically, yes, uh, the salah will fall away from him, but he obviously should work on the issue of the inner part of the salah. And so it's kind of contradictory, you know, to want to go into salah in that frame of mind. Mm. It's not it's not suitable. And so we, we should advise this brother that, you know, you, you should try to, 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 to settle things with your wife in, in, in a way that is suitable. Try to not uh, be in that state of mind, mm. not in generally in any time but more so before you make your salah mm. because you don't want to put your salah in that particular position where you are doing the mechanics but the inward meaning is not to be found and we hope inshallah that you will be able to realize that you know you cannot be making salah to Allah in this mechanical way mm. but it doesn't affect your character it doesn't affect the way that you speak or treat your wife or treat your children then the salah is because Allah says in the Quran inna salata tanha anil fahsha'i wal munkar salah is supposed to keep you away from all bad and evil deeds so if it doesn't do that you should question your salah you should question whether that salah is indeed being accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make dua that Allah makes it easy for you inshallah inshallah I mean and I think it's a question we all should be asking ourselves you know what is our, our frame of mind 
And Where Is Our Hearts, a very interesting book, Sheikh, uh, Sheikh mentioned Secrets of Salah by Imam Ghazali. Yeah, it's actually just a chapter. It's a very okay. huge book. And one of the chapters that he deals with is the Salah. And he obviously goes into all the mechanical parts of the Salah, but mm. he also delves into the secrets. You know, what are the inner meanings, the deeper meanings? What should you be feeling? Mm. What should you be thinking of when you stand in front of Allah Ta'ala? So it's definitely a book that I can recommend to anyone. And it has been translated into English. It is freely available in, 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 the, in the bookshops. Okay. The book name is Ihya Ulumuddin by Imam Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali Rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him Amen. Shukran Sheikh, let's uh, move to our next question after the short break so stay with us My radio station Your radio station Our radio station 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM Stereo Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. We uh, move on to our next questions within our question and answer um, session with uh, Sheikh Ibrahim Was. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. It's a my man belirak me baya. Ek full sosia gemaak dat ek nie wil salah maak nie. Hy belirak me in gebruik die lelikste woorde. Kan hy my sê wat ek kan maak? Praat help nie, Sheikh. Yeah, I think this question is kind of obviously linked to what we just said uh, mm. before the break and that is uh, the issue of the frame of mind that you are in and how Salah should change your character etc mm. uh, and, and so this question is sort of uh, related I guess or it's, mm. it's very similar but it's on the other side of the coin uh, yeah somebody is saying that she don't feel she wants to make Salah because she feels so <laughs> terrible yeah. the way that this person is treating her mm. and I want to tell you that the Salah in fact is going to be the only thing that can help you you know, so you should not be abandoning the salah. Mm. The salah you should be doing more so now than any time before because mm. that is the time in which you can appeal to Allah. Because after all, no one can change your condition except Allah. Mm. You know, no imam, no sheikh, no uh, radio program, no advice that will be given can change your life except if Allah is going to change it for you. And obviously, for Allah to change it for you, Allah says in the Quran, He doesn't change the conditions of people until they con- change their own conditions first. Mm. So you cannot be abandoning the salah and then expect to be helped by Allah. So what I want to say to you is, no matter how bad you feel, this auntie that is feeling very bad because of her husband's abuse, this is not the time for you to abandon your salah. This is the time that you should be more particular on your salah. And I'll give you an example of the life of Rasulullah And we know the Nabi he was faced with so many challenges. I said it many times before. If there's any challenges in our lives that we have, the Nabi sallallahu was probably had it a hundred times worse hmm. in all aspects of life, all avenues of life. There was no feature in the Nabi in, in our lives rather, except that the Nabi sallallahu would be able to relate to it hmm. in terms of challenges. And Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman he says, "Kan Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ida hazabahu amrun salla." He says simply that whenever the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to be bogged by something, mm-hmm. something was worrying him or something was putting him in a frame of mind where he's anxious, salah. He would turn to salah. Mm-hmm. He would go to Allah to ask for help. And so this is the first thing that we obviously recommend you to do, my beloved sister and mother. Do not abandon your salah. Do not mm-hmm. abandon Allah at this time of need because you are going to need him to assist you. And all those feelings that you are having, are feeling very bad because of this treatment mm-hmm. yes we can we can say to you that it, it, it is unacceptable the way that your husband is treating you it is unacceptable that he should make you feel so small mm-hmm. and make you feel so worthless 
it's it's very wrong of him and he will be obviously be taken account of by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you said that speaking don't help you try to speak to him and yes sometimes people just don't listen you know they just don't care they just don't worry what what advice is given to them maybe you should involve others also and don't face this battle all, all on your own maybe there's someone that's more influential that can speak to him mm-hmm. maybe some of his colleagues his friends or even his brothers or sisters someone that is more closer to him that he will listen to more easier right so you you should explore all those an- avenues but at the same time your avenue at the moment the one that you are saying you can't do that is the one that you should be doing mm. making salah appealing to allah making dua and remember uh, the prophet sallallahu also says to us and this was actually the advice that the Nabi ﷺ gave to Mu'adh. Mu'adh ibn, ibn Jabal was sent obviously to Yemen. And he was sent there with a mission to teach the people of Yemen the beautiful deen of Islam. And the Nabi ﷺ gave him a number of advices what he should do, how he should go about in interacting and dealing with people. Mm-hmm. So he should teach them the basics, the salah, the zakah, he should respect and so on. And one of the advices that he gave him was, he says to him, اِتَّقِي دَعْوَةَ الْمَظْلُومِ فَإِنَّهَا لَيْسَ بَيْنَ he says to Mu'adh, be very much aware of the dua of an oppressed person. Because there is no barrier between that dua and between Allah. Between hmm. the acceptance of that dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have the chance if you are being oppressed, if you are being wronged by your husband, and you're going to sincerely appeal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this hadith is saying that there is no barrier between your dua and the acceptance thereof by Allah ta'ala. So make use of this. Make use of this uh, opportunity to make dua to Allah ta'ala, to change the condition of your heart, or, or, or to make salah first of all, and to change the condition of your husband's heart, mm. who is treating you in this very, very bad manner. And like I say, maybe it would also be uh, advisable to get someone else involved, also to come and speak to your husband and to tell him that this is not how we as Muslims behave. We live with one another in harmony and we try to always uh, you know, uh, emulate the character of our Rasulullah in the beauty that he had, the, the good manners that he had, the behavior that he had. So someone should be reminding your husband of all these qualities that he is supposed to be showing towards you, inshallah. Inshallah, shukran. Assalamu alaikum. I'd like to know what should one do when you found out your husband's Mother is busy with evil things, trying to destroy a marriage and breaking up a family. I don't know if she's talking specifically about her own, but um, this okay, let's keep it general. Yeah. I mean, it can be anyone and anyone's mother in law, and whatever the case may be. Um, the point is that I would first want to make is you know, um, to ascertain facts is very important first. Mm. You know, we should Truth. never, never go, uh, you know, uh, around rumors or what has been said or spread by people, etc. Mm. And I'm not saying this is the case here. I'm just giving a general advice in saying that whenever you hear certain things of certain people, mm-hmm. you know, don't accept it just on face value, but rather you make sure for yourself yeah. that it is like that. So in this case, obviously, you are making, uh, you know, if this is to be found, then I would, I would suppose that the first one to consult would be the husband, you know. That, um, the, the, in other words, the son of this woman who is trying to do all of these things. And as a wife, you should obviously then be very tactful the way that you are going to address this, this issue. Mm. You should be very careful because it's, a, it's a going to be a very sensitive one since it is his own mother. Mm. Okay? So you need to know how to be very diplomatic in speaking to him. 
and saying that, look, I've come across now this information and I verified it and it is going to cause major issues within the marriage or major issues within our families. Mm. So how can we go about in addressing this issue with your mother? Mm. You know, and, and she must do it with respect and she must do it in a very delicate way. So that the husband knows it's not disrespect to his mother, or it's not to attack her or stuff like that, but it is to remedy the situation at hand. And of course, depending on obviously the seriousness of the matter, and uh, it's very vague when it says that the question says that she's busy with evil things. I mean, Allah knows what those evil things are. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but obviously be also careful that certain things, you know, you, know, you, know, you need specialized people to sort of deal with those things. You know, um, I'm just going to think uh, out aloud. If it were things to do with, let's say, jinn or uh, black magic or things like that, mm. then of course you need specialized people who have knowledge of those things, how to deal with it. Not any imam or any sheikh or any person for that matter will be capable to, to, to handle those things. Mm. So you should be uh, trying to find out who is uh, a person who is really experienced in this kind of thing. And then he should be brought in only after I think the wife has spoken to the husband. Mm. She should not be involving anyone prior to her speaking respectfully to her husband, saying that this is what your mother is busy doing. Here's the information. Here's the, the evidence for it. What are we going to do about it? Mm. And only the step after that would be to involve uh, somebody who, who is capable to take care of whatever evil she's busy with. So, I mean, it's not clarified here what evil it is. Mm. I'm just kind of uh, supposing if it is to do with jinn or to do with black magic or to do with wrong things in that avenue, then you need to be very careful that you get someone who is really able to deal with the situation. And for me, the key here will be the, the way the, the wife is going to address this with the husband. That is going to be the key. How she's going to follow it up with him uh, and in ma what manner is she going to follow it up with him? And once she gets a breakthrough there, then obviously I think if he agrees that, look, this is not right, th something has to be done, then I think they stand a very good chance of overcoming mm. this particular hurdle. But if she's going to be very disrespectful to him from the start, or showing to him, you see, I told you all the time, this is what your mother is about, mm. or uh, accuse him and say, you always take your mother's side, or whatever, if she's going to have that kind of attitude, and he's going to sort of close up to her, mm. then she's going to be all alone, you know, and then it's going to be very difficult for her then to find a solution. So I think that first uh, step in speaking to a husband, inshallah, is going to be crucial the way she does that. And hopefully uh, he will see the light and then they will obviously proceed. And that is, like I said, after everything has been verified. Nothing should be based on rumors or on just what someone said or what we heard by someone who heard it by someone. Because sometimes these rumors can also be destructive, hmm. right? We may hear things that are not true or that, that only have a small percentage of truth in them. So we should be very careful not to, um, you know, come, jump to conclusions without actually first ascertaining our facts. This is what the Quran teaches us. Hmm. Oh, you who believe if someone comes to you and you know he's perhaps a wicked person, he's, he's known for, for wicked things, if he comes to you with information, Verify first. Mm. Don't just jump to conclusions. So this is also obviously part of the uh, advice that we need to give to this particular woman. Shukran, Sheikh. And with that, uh, we'll come back with more of your questions after the short break. So stay with me. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station.
the voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum, a very good evening. Welcome back. A broadcasting on 91.3 FM. And of course, if you're listening to us across the lands and over the seas, um, you're listening via audio stream on www.vocfm.co.za. Click on listen live and you can yes wherever you can pick up internet or Wi-Fi. Uh, please do note that you can um, also download the shows that you've missed on iono.fm, iono.fm. Now, inshallah, let's move on with your questions. And I know it is a backlog of questions, um, uh, something like that has come through just at the end of May. Please do um, send your questions. Do continue sending your questions. End of April, can, I think. Sorry, it's marvelous end of April because we, we're in the end of May now. Okay, the end of April will take, take us back quite a few weeks. So please do continue sending your, um, your SMSs. We do get it and we will answer them as they come, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. I work at the airport. And sometimes I make solar in my Toyota van um, in a sitting position. Can I keep my shoes on because the floor um, is sometimes a little dirty, Shukran? Mm. Uh, I would uh, want to say that in terms of the shoes that you are wearing, uh, when you're making salah in shoes, um, if you are sort of, uh, in your mind, comfortable that there's no najasa on your shoes at the time of making salah, then it's fine. It's not a must that you have to remove your shoes. Mm -hmm. As long as you are comfortable that there is no najis that you know of that is on your shoes. Mm. However, there's someone else, there's something else, that I would like to bring to your attention and that is of the integrals of the compulsory or the fard salah mm. is that you must obviously stand qiyam you know qiyam is actually part of the arkan of salah and the only person who is uh, excused not to stand is somebody who has a valid reason such as somebody who is obviously ill or sick he's got a back problem he's got a knee problem or leg problems whatever or he just cannot stand then in such a case he can obviously then sit and make salah mm. But for an ordinary person, such as yourself, you have to stand and make the fart salah. And yeah, I'm talking only of the fart salah. The sunnah salah is slightly more different because the sunnah salah can be performed while in a sitting position, even if you don't have an excuse. But the fart salah, on the other hand, you have to have qiyam while you are, while you are making your salah. So yeah, obviously, if you are working in such a place where it is difficult, or uh, and obviously when you say also that the floor is sometimes dirty, now, does dirty mean that it is there's nudges there, or is there just some dirt lying around? It's may, may, because we make a difference between some something that is impure in terms of it being uh, contaminated with najasa, mm -hmm. and something which is just dirty, you know. And our sand, or like something. sand, or maybe some uh, uh, cold ring that fell over there, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. So obviously, if it is just dirty then it's not a problem. You mm. can just still throw something over. You can throw a piece of paper or mm. you can throw a cardboard and just make salah. Mm. You know, uh, as long as you are not, uh, as long as you are sure the, there is no najasa, actual najis to be found at the place where you are making salah. Mm. So I just wanted to highlight that, that you have to stand. So well, while the shoes is not the problem, the fact is that you have to stand, okay. which is an integral part of your salah. Uh, and you can do it anywhere. If you are working in the airport, uh, don't, it doesn't have to be in a mosque. It doesn't have to be in an area that has a carpet. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be in a specific. This is the beauty of our deen. Mm -hmm. You can make salah anywhere. And the Nabi Wasallam actually said in a hadith that I was given certain things that the previous anbiya were not given. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that our Prophet was given that the previous anbiya was not given, he says, That the entire earth was made for me a place of purity and a place of sujood, meaning that we as Muslims, we can make salah anyway, whether it's on the sand, whether it's on the grass, whether it is on cement, 
mm-hmm. as long as it is uh, pure in terms of our own uh, convictions we can make salah there and also the entire earth is a place of sujood mm-hmm. it's not like certain religions that they have to go to a specific building or a specific room or a specific mm-hmm. setting say, you know a setup you can make salah and sujood anywhere anywhere wherever you may find yourself and that is the beauty of the salah and our deen so uh, you know try your utmost best then to follow the, those um, uh, tips that i've given you make salah wherever you can and don't worry if it is a little bit dirty just throw a cardboard make your salah uh, in that way as long as you stand and make your fard salah then everything will be in order inshallah shukran assalamu alaikum sheikh if a man asks a woman to marry him and she said yes what is the next step for uh, for them what is the next step that they should do because uh, every time when she asks him or talks to him about it he gets angry and asks her why she is in such a hurry but it's a long time now already please advise sheikh Yeah I I suppose like you know if you ask what is the next step after he proposed and yes, you said yes is the next step is to get married, married. Yeah. <laughs> is to get married you know and not to delay if there is no reason for the delay mm. and uh, yes I I I obviously wouldn't understand why he would get angry if you ask him when and so on mm. especially if it was a long time now already that you've uh, decided to get married uh, so you should I think uh, sort of make up your mind you know uh, whether you think that he is really committed to this idea or not I think you should make up your mind as far as that is concerned and not uh, allow him to sort of keep you in a line you know just mm. sort of uh, keep you hanging out there and not knowing whether it's on or off I think you should confront him up upright and respectfully ask him that look uh, you know we have to plan our marriage mm. you uh, you ask me I say yes what is the way forward do you see yourself uh, marrying me in the next few months in the next year mm. we must have at least some contingency plan plans as far as that is concerned and if you don't feel comfortable that he can't commit and he gets angry and all of that then i think you should then reconsider you know mm. and obviously you're not married to him yet so you can yeah. tell him look i've changed my mind i i i don't want to get married to you anymore because you you, you need someone obviously that is committed mm. so if he's already now becoming angry at you just asking when you want to when are you going to get married to me mm. then that is a sign that maybe he's already sort of upset with certain things which shouldn't be mm. and we know in islam uh, when two people um, have feelings for each other and they uh, you know have the inclination for marriage islam says that you shouldn't delay it you know mm. try to do it as quickly as possible because remember you may be uh, together now in a way that allah is not pleased with mm. you may be seeing each other going out with each other and all of this allah is not pleased with So the better uh, uh, option would be for for you to rectify that as soon as you can, and so I think you you have it in your ability to do that because he's not your husband yet, mm. right? So you have the ability to confront him, to say to him, look, I'm not nagging, but I need to have some kind of idea where we're going with this. Mm. So give me an idea: is it still on? And if it is, when at least can you tell me? Is it in the next few months? Sometimes he may he, he may have some some reasonable explanations. He mm. may say, "Look, I'm still preparing a place," or I know I want to first wait till I get another job and just be settled. Okay, so if that is there, we can understand. But if he's just simply saying, "Why are you in a hurry?" but he can't supply you with good reasons. Mm. then you should be questioning his motives and you should be questioning his commitment and so uh, you should then tell him that it's either yay or nay you know mm. where you should decide which way we are going and not uh, sort of see each other in this way in an indefinite way and not knowing whether the marriage is going to actually take place or not okay shukran sheikh
Inshallah, let's move on to our next questions uh, via SMS that we're getting from uh, 47913. Salam, Sheikh. I'd like to know what I can do. My mother has passed away and my sister is also giving a 40 days when I'm supposed to give it. What must I do on the third night we made this agreement? Yeah, uh, the I, I would think that part of the reason why um, our elders perhaps initiated this in the first place mm. to have like a three and a seven and a 40 and a hundred and a one year and so on. I, I would imagine that part of the reasons why the elders initiated this in the first place was to keep the family together, mm. to bring them together at a time when they had a loss and so that they can give moral support to each other mm. and give that comfort to each other. Right. I think this is obviously one of the reasons why they initiated this. And mm-hmm. yes, we, we must make it clear that the, it's not a must to have a three days and a seven days and a 40. Okay. It's not a must. You know, you're not going to be a less of a Muslim if you don't have it. We don't keep it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's our culture. That's our culture in Cape Town. Um, and that is what we do. So it's not a problem. It's not a problematic culture like some mm-hmm. people would like to, to, to say. There's nothing problematic about it. Uh, as long as we don't believe that it is part of our deen that must be upheld and mm-hmm. it's a compulsory act that must be done. As long as we don't believe so. And I'm sure many of our people don't believe so. I mean, they know it's just it's just a habit that we get together and so on. Some families have it. Some families don't have it. So it's not an issue. But for me, what I want to say here is that the very reason why I think it was established was to get people together. Mm. So now it seems it's doing exactly the opposite. Where two sisters are now at loggerheads as to who should give the function and so on. Mm. So I think you should keep that that objective in mind. The whole thing about this is to keep us together. Mm. So speak to your sister politely, address the issue with her, say we had an agreement. Why why are you changing it? Why do you want it by your home and not by mine, mm. etc. And I'm sure with with good conversation and good discussion. Uh, they can only come good of that. They can only come a good decision from that. Mm. And perhaps she's got uh, reasons why she's wanting to keep uh, the second function as well. Maybe her place is more suitable. Maybe more people can fit in there. Maybe it's more comfortable. Maybe it's nearer for everyone. Allah knows alone. I mean, uh, we don't know the details. But the point is, I, I, I would like to tell you that please try to, in a respectful way, resolve this and not allow this issue to cause you to, to, to have ill feelings towards each other. Because then it is defeating the purpose. Then I would rather say than leave all the seven days, 40 days and mm. all of that. If it's going to cause a, ris- a rift between sisters, then rather leave it, you know, mm. because you don't, you don't need something like that to cause a rift between families. But I'm sure if you discuss it with your sister politely and respect, uh, respectfully, I'm sure she will be able to give you reasons or either say, yes, you were right, we made an agreement, let me rather not break the agreement or whatever the case may be, I'm sure something good will come from it if it is done in the proper way. And uh, inshallah, we hope that your you know, agreement will be reached between you and your family. Amen. And remember, you must do whatever you can to keep the family together. Mm. This is the main thing. And this is what your mother would have wanted. And this is what your parents would have wanted. For the family always to stick together and to support each other, mm. to be there for each other, especially now at the time of loss. Um, that is the time that it is mostly needed for us to, to be there and care, care for each other. Shukran, Sheikh. All right, so the next question is, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. My sister got a call from Johannesburg from an imam telling her her husband is divorcing her. She was eight months pregnant at the time. Um, he also threw her out of the house. What must she do now? Yeah, she must, uh, in this case, if the imam informed her that the husband is going to divorce her, then obviously she's not yet divorced. Because the he's, question is divorcing her. Yeah, so it doesn't mean he, he did it already. I mean, okay. he is divorcing. It seems to me like in the future, he's planning to. Okay. So obviously, you need to wait and see and obviously verify 
easy. Did he actually divorce me? Yes okay. or no? And, and, and if he did divorce you, then obviously the divorce is valid. So you will go on the idda. So the divorce is valid even if the message came through the imam? Even if it came through the imam okay. and after it has been verified to be the truth mm. and it has been verified that he did actually divorce you, then obviously you are divorced mm. even though you are pregnant. Uh, although your husband in this case has committed a sin, right? He has divorced you in a condition that was not becoming. He should okay. not have divorced you while you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. should have rather waited. You know, after the you, you've given birth. Okay. So while he has committed a sin by by divorcing you in that state, and he will bear the consequences of that in front of Allah, okay. nonetheless the divorce will be valid. Mm. So you will go under idda. And of the rules here is also that during this idda period, he still owes it to look after you. He still needs to give you nafaka mm. until your child is born. Okay, and of course your idda will then also stop at the time when your child is born. So your idda will not be the normal three-month cycle that you will be waiting, but your idda will be until you have been, uh, until you gave birth, right? I mean, it's obvious that Islam can never condone, you know, um, the act of divorcing a woman who's eight months pregnant. Mm. I mean, what kind of rahma, you know, what kind of mercy? If there's whatever differences between husband and wife. You must at least have a little bit of compassion in your heart, you know, to think that this woman is, is on the last. How can I divorce her now at this stage? I was under, under the impression <coughs> that you, you're actually not allowed to um, divorce your wife. So that means the divorce is, is not, as Sheikh said, is valid, but I thought it was not valid. And you'd have to wait for the the divorce proceedings or the time period to start after the birth. So yeah, so it that's actually why starts I'm at eight months if it, if it is a valid. Yes, yes. That's okay. why we made the distinction between. It's the same and the, the reasons for that is logical that uh, the divorce cannot be retracted if it is uttered by the husband, you know, okay. and if that is what he wants, then that is what is going to be. Mm. But that doesn't mean it is okay for him to do it. Okay. Because what he did was he will be answerable. Okay. And the reason for that is he may, let's say she was three months pregnant or mm. two months pregnant, it would mean that the idda will be very long now. Yes, yes, you know? of course. So he will be harming her in that way. Mm. And also it means that she's in a condition <coughs> where she, she's actually now in need of his help. She's not in need of him to desert her now, you know. Yeah. So it's it's very inhumane, obviously, uh, to do this. Um, so she will have to, I think she will have to clarify and get some clarity from the imam. Did he actually divorce her? And so if he divorced her, her idda will, would have started from the time that the divorce was issued. Okay. It is, she can demand from him nafaqa for the entire time that she is under idda. Okay, because Allah Ta'ala says so in Surah Al-Talaq, chapter 65 of the Qur'an, وَإِن كُنَّ أُولَاتِ حَمْلٍ فَأَنْفِقُوا عَلَيْهِنَّ حَتَّى يَضَعْنَ حَمْلَهُنْ Allah makes it very clear that if they are pregnant, then you should spend on them, meaning you should give them nafaqa, until they are given birth. Mm. And this shows the compassion of Islam. So even if you divorce the woman, and it was a wrong act that you did, mm. right, you still have to look after her whether you like it or not, mm. because the least amount of compassion that you can have in your heart is to think of this woman's condition while she is about to give birth to a child that in actual fact is your child. I mean, yeah. It's a, a child that you should be sort of proud of and be looking after also and be there for. Mm. So that's why the Sharia says that the nafaqa will be given to her for the entire duration of her pregnancy. Mm. Uh, so she should seek the clarity of all these issues with the imam that had uh, given her this, this, this call or she should phone the husband directly and make contact with him and then find out exactly where she stands and the last point I would like to make is that if she was divorced at whatever point in time uh, Idda would have started at that time whether she knew she was divorced or not 
That doesn't change okay. anything. Idda starts from the time that she was divorced. Yeah, whether it was confirmed a month later. Whether it was confirmed a month later, two months later, doesn't matter. And the Idda in this case when she's pregnant will always end at the time of giving birth. Mm. Even if it is one day after the divorce. Mm. Okay, so if it was one day prior to her giving birth, the husband divorces her, Idda will only be one day. After that, the Idda will be over. Okay. And she will be able to marry other people if she like in the future. There's no problem as far as that is concerned at all. She has comments around uh, the fact that he threw her out of the house. I don't know if this was um, if this was at an eight-month pregnancy, uh, pregnancy stage, um, although she has already mentioned the sin on, mm. on you know issuing a divorce while she is pregnant. And also, if I could add on to the, just the state of mind that I think this husband might not realize, just because the wife is pregnant, it's not just her condition. It is the fact that the baby that she's carrying, whatever she's going through, is felt emotionally and physically on that unborn child and i don't think whether this husband knows this or not he's just thinking he's punishing her mm. when in fact she's carrying another life another being another ruh and yet you know they think it's or he think it would be okay to do this mm. just to her as if it's just affecting her no absolutely it's uh, that that uh, life that is within her already has certain rights you know certain mm. haq over them and so on and that's why it's interesting if you study the laws of inheritance that if a person dies and he leaves uh, heirs behind and one of the heirs happened to be an unborn child for example then the sharia says at the time when the inheritance is worked out that unborn child must also be considered mm. that inheritance must also be made provision for so if it's a boy this will be the the inheritance if yeah, it's a girl this will be the provisions yeah. mm. you know this will be the the stipulated amount so yes that child already have a haq already has a right over the parents etc etc and i agree 100% that it is inhumane you know to do that and from a sharia point of view just the fact that he threw her out you know of the house islam can never allow that can mm. never condone that it's a sin to do that and in fact we know that the woman she's got the right to live in the house of the marriage yes. during the time of even the idda period yeah the husband is not allowed to kick her out, mm. you know. Uh, she deserves to live within that home until the idda is over. So even that was a violation. The fact that he threw her out and all of that was a violation, mm. clearly, of the sharia. And of course, uh, the imam that uh, that is handling this thing must be obviously bringing to light all of this to this particular uh, person. Mm. And yes, it, it's just sometimes people are so blinded, you know, in their mm. anger or they're so blinded in their fury that they forget all the repercussions and consequences mm. of what they are doing. Like you rightfully said, I mean, it's a, it's a life that is in that woman that also feels, that also experiences, that also knows, mm. although we may not realize it, they, they can also, you know, um, feel the, the trauma and, and whatever the, the, the mother is going through, the unsettledness. So, yes, those are all things that obviously we uh, should make clear to people. And uh, I think, uh, like I said, the imam should be handling this in this way, giving the proper advice to him as well. Mm. And not only send a message to say you are being divorced. <laughs> Give advice to this person. Say, How can you throw, throw her out at eight months, you know? And who couldn't you wait until she's given birth, etc., etc.? Shukran, I think with that, let's just uh, sit and, and think for a minute and uh, take a short break and we'll come back with more of your SMSs on 47913. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. Welcome back. A very good evening to you. Welcome back to 91.3 FM. I'm Khawa Solomon. With me is Sheikh Ibrahim Wes and uh, answering your questions on 47913. Again, a big, big shukran. Bye, Danke. Thank you for all your patience as you await your answers to your questions. Questions. We are getting through them every single one, um, even if they are backlog 
weeks later. So, Sheikh, the next one is, Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Can Sheikh give advice, Kanala, my daughter and her husband? Uh, they're living with me. He doesn't nafaqaha and it's going on now for 13 years. She spoke to him about it. He just doesn't take notes and they have one son who's uh, 12 years old as well. Uh, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. This uh, uh, woman, obviously, she, after 12 years, is a very long time for her not to have, you know, received much of her haq and much of what is due to her. And uh, so, yeah, she she must decide uh, what she wants to do in this situation. Um, Does she want to continue living like that, like this, and just accept the fact that it doesn't pay Mm nafaka? Or is she actually going to do something about it? And there's there's a few things, few options that she can follow. One of it is, of course, she can go to a, a judiciary, you know, since he's the guilty party, but he doesn't want to own up or he's not prepared to, to listen to her. Mm-hmm. She can, uh, firstly, I think the first step would be before judiciary even to get someone in to actually speak to him and to uh, explain to him that for 12 years, you know, you haven't really paid nafaka and that is money owed to her. That 12 years even doesn't fall away. It's like a debt that you are owing to her. Because in the Sharia, that is your duty. You are duty bound to look after your wife, to look after your kid, etc. Mm-hmm. So f- somebody should obviously then advise him accordingly and say that this is wrong that you are doing. You are committing a big sin, right? A major sin. I've mentioned this hadith many times before. Mm-hmm. Hadith says that it is sufficient for a sin, a destructive sin for a person. That if he does not fulfill his duties towards those who are beneath him, mm-hmm. those who, are, who, are, who he is supposed to look after, okay. if he does not uh, maintain them, maintain their condition, and is able to, but he doesn't do it, this is one of the major sins. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's enough of a sin to destroy him and to cause a destruction for him in the dunya and in the year after. Mm-hmm. May Allah protect us from that. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would like to s- someone to speak to him, and if that doesn't work or he's not interested, then I think you should, you should be strong enough then to take the next decision. Right, and that decision is to go to the judiciaries, which is our Muslim bodies, and actually say, "Look, this man has not been supporting me for twelve years. I can't live like this. I can't carry on like this. Mm. He's a burden for us more than anything else because he's living in my mother's house and he doesn't pay anything. Mm. And I rather want out of this marriage that will be best for us. Mm. Right? You, sometimes it's a hard decision that needs to be taken. You know, the other option is, of course, as you know, you can go the legal route as well. I mean, actually go to the courts and say that this this husband is not." Uh, supporting me mm. and I do believe even if you if you just have a normal customary marriage Muslim marriage there are provisions now being made f- uh, in the courts for you to actually do that you can actually go and sort of uh, lay a complaint against your husband and they will follow it up from the from the uh, you know sort of uh, court side and that will be now a, a, a strictly judicial process okay. and they will call him in and they will do the necessary like I say sometimes you just need to make these tough decisions mm. because I mean for me personally 13 years is a very, very long time. I mean, you can't live like this and a husband can't be, you know, so oblivious about his condition and about his responsibilities. Mm. And you speaking to him, clearly that hasn't worked. So you need to take some other steps as to how to proceed. I think one of the difficulties that people sometimes face, and I've I've come across this a few times, is where this woman is in this predicament. Mm. She is being treated like this. She's not being given anything. The husband don't really show any remorse of what he's doing. Mm. But then the woman will say, yeah, but I love him. You know, what can I do? Mm. She's giving in and other people are fighting sometimes. You know, or it could be other reasons. Sometimes it's abuse, whatever. Yes, but I love him, you know. But the point is, you love him, but are you going to allow him to, to trample all upon yeah. you like this, you know? Mm. Is this a life that you want for yourself? 
And unfortunately, some women, this is what they choose, actually. Mm. They actually choose to live like this, you know. What because, I mean, I look at it, the mother <coughs> sending the message in. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't, she might not know that maybe her, her, her daughter's accepting of all of this. You yeah, know, this yeah, absolutely, wants. absolutely. And I think that uh, it's, it's, you know, you must ask yourself, you know, is, is this what marriage is about? Mm. Is this why I got married, you know, to be in this, in this kind of situation where I must, in any case, look after myself and after my kid and no one provides for us. Mm. The husband just doesn't care. I mean, these are tough questions which uh, sometimes you have to put your um, emotions aside mm. and look at the reality, you know, of life and look at the best will of your kid and yourself, mm. you know, the future. What do you see for yourself? Do you see yourself for another two, 13, 15 years to live like this, you mm. know? And this is not obviously what a marriage is or should be about. And so those are some of the options perhaps that this woman can follow. Uh, hopefully, you know, some solutions will come from there. Inshallah, all the best to that couple and the mom as well, because it's, it, it, it's not pleasant seeing your child going through something yeah. like this. Inshallah. The next question is, uh, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Sheikh. Do I have to recite Surah Fatiha in every salah? In every salah. I don't know whether they're talking about Farul Sunnah, but just every, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, the, the Surah Fatiha, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, is one of the integrals of the Salah. It has to be recited, and it has to be recited in each and every raka'ah of each and every Salah. So uh, whether it is a Fard Salah, whether it is a Sunnah Salah, whether it is any Salah, a Salah that you are making up, a Salah that is current, a Salah that is in group, a Salah mm. that is alone, there is no exceptions, right? Surah Fatiha absolutely have to be recited in each raka'ah of every Salah. Mm. And this is taken from a hadith where the Prophet says There shall be no salah for the person who does not recite the opening chapter of the book There shall be no salah, meaning salah will not be valid, it will not be accepted It will not be, um, you know, uh, it will not fall away from the person's conscience Unless he has re recited Surah Fatiha mm -hmm. in the salah So that is the, the, the ruling um, there's only one time that I can think of um, sort of that, that the Fatiha would fall away for a person and that is if you come into a congregation where they are making Salah mm. so you enter upon that congregation and you join up with them and as you join up with them the Imam then says Allahu Akbar going down into Ruku okay. so in that case you won't have time obviously to recite the Fatiha so in that case what you do is you go down in Ruku with the Imam and there you don't recite the Fatiha you don't delay mm. because you're obviously excused for that particular uh, scenario okay. but for all other scenarios you should recite the surah fatiha in each and every raka'ah mm -hmm. of each and every salah whether fart whether sunnah whether alone whether with a group there's no difference in all of these matters and this is of course according to imam shafi'i there are other madhahib that have other views on this issue mm -hmm. but that is the shafi'i madhab which uh, stipulates and we quoted the hadith why they are so uh, insistent upon it mm -hmm. because there is a prophetic statement that makes it very clear that salah will not be acceptable uh, unless Surah Fatiha okay. is recited. So yes, Surah Fatiha is to be recited in every Salah. Um, shukran, Sheikh. Oh, Maaf, it says every Sunnah Salah. I didn't... Yeah, but I answered it. Answered I said Fard yeah. and Sunnah so, doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Shukran, Sheikh. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for, for this week on Q&A. We have received every every single question you've sent through. We will do it next week again, inshallah, if you if you if if it was not answered this week. We say to Sheikh uh, Ibrahim Wes, Jazakallah Khair, uh, and Salama Travel Sheikh, all the best, and uh, we appreciate once again the efforts behind all the uh, answers, the, the questions that are answered here today. Inshallah. Shukran Jazeelan to you also, Sister Hawa, and to all our dear listeners of the Voice of the Cape. Allah Ta'ala keep us safe until we meet again, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum 